Welcome to Transformed by the Word, a podcast about discovering how to live your life with gratifying purpose. God created you for a reason, and the Bible contains the keys to unlock your transformed life. Now, here's your host, Deborah Barr. Thanks for joining me for episode 16 of Transformed by the Word. Today, we are exploring my hiding place. Sometimes life can be overwhelming. The day-to-day troubles of this world can overtake us and make us feel like we need to find a safe place to hide away, to rest, and to recuperate. King David certainly felt that way. And he, along with other scripture writers, referred to God as providing them a hiding place in times of trouble. Psalm 32, 7 says, You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These are just two examples in the scriptures where God is a hiding place for those who love and trust him. I have invited a special guest to the show today to continue our conversation. Her name is Reverend 
Iris Tate, and she has a powerful testimony of how God was her hiding place in a time of trouble. Reverend Tate is an ordained associate pastor at First Baptist Church of Glen Arden, and she's also the head intercessor over the intercessory prayer team ministry at our church. She's the founder and director of Tate Ministries, which includes Tate Music Ministries, Royal Generation Praise Team, Wedding Consultation and Coordination, Remnant, and Elijah's Task School of the Prophets. Reverend Tate's ultimate goal in life is to help hurting people, particularly women, come to the full knowledge of their potential in Christ Jesus as they walk in total deliverance and healing. Standing on the scripture questions that Jesus asked the man that had the infirmity for 38 long years, it's found in John 5, verses 5 and 6. And it says, Will thou be made whole? Her favorite song is, It is well with my soul. And one of her favorite scriptures is Psalm 37, verse 4, which says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a moment. Iris, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today to share with my listening audience. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So today we're focused on talking about God as our hiding place. And I wanted you to come on the show today to share with us a little bit about how God has equipped you to serve as an intercessor, interceding for others in prayer. You know, it's funny you should ask me that question because I didn't know what an intercessor was. So I grew up in what you call a, a traditional Baptist church in Washington, D.C., and we called them prayer warriors. And I went to prayer service on Tuesday night and those kinds of things. So I didn't even know what an intercessor was until later on in life. I just knew that I loved God. Um, God had um, had shown himself powerful and mighty in my life. Um, from a child. And uh, so just to take you, uh, I would say, uh, behind the curtain of my life, uh, I uh, was drawn by the Holy Spirit at the age of 16, didn't know actually what was going on, but he drew me to the altar. And the pastor, the youth pastor, which was the pastor's son at that time, you know, he led us to Christ, but, you know, it's like the Charlie Brown, wonk, 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 wonk. So I didn't know what I said, what I did, but I knew I felt different. I couldn't explain it. Nobody could help me. And so I had a praying aunt, my great aunt, my grandmother's uh, 
older sister was praying and she kept saying, little girl, when are you going to get saved? And I was like, uh, when I turned 18, being sassy, <laughs> knowing that I went to college at 17 and on my 18th birthday, God came to collect on that promise that I had made. And he visited me in my dorm room and he said, you're 18 now. And I gave him excuses and I ran because I was wow. afraid because I didn't know what that meant. And the blessing was that I was uh, being a musician, a music major. I was uh, attending two churches there, Baptist churches, and I was singing in the choir. And this particular day, I didn't have to sing. And it was like the preacher was talking directly to me and everybody in the church disappeared. And he began to talk about uh, salvation and praying and spending time with God and all that. I didn't understand any of that, Deborah. It was a foreign language to me. But the one thing I knew, I had my Bible and I began to read and I began to study. God took me on a wonderful journey with him at a young age. I learned um, that year how to fast for 40 days like Jesus. I didn't know what that was. People were telling me I was going to get sick. It was in the middle of flu season. I started on Ash Wednesday and I ended Easter Sunday morning. And I wow. did a 40 day fast and I studied uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament so that I would learn who Jesus was and to spend time with him. I knew Jesus prayed, but I didn't know that he was the great intercessor. I didn't know any of that. And so my girlfriend finally invited me to go with her to her Kojic church where I learned about holiness. Hmm. That's when the light began to come on. And I began to learn about holiness and presenting myself to the Lord and, and living a holy life and what it looked like as a believer to be holy and, and acceptable to the Lord. So there were some things that I was doing and saying that I had to stop doing. And God deals with me in um, dreams and visions. He deals with me audibly. He deals with me through his word. And God is always talking. We're just not always listening. And God began to talk to me. And so as I took this wonderful journey, I fell in love with God and my friends would start teasing me, saying I was sappy. That was the word back in uh, the late 70s, early 80s. You know, you sappy, being you silly, you know, you just all mushy. But I had a love relationship with him, still not knowing what an intercessor was until um, in 1990, after I married my first husband. We were married for four years, and it was like all hell came against me. And I didn't know what was going on, but I knew that I needed to pray. And so I have been praying during that whole journey because I didn't want to disappoint God and I didn't want to recreate the dysfunction that I had grown up in as a child uh, with the arguing and the fussing and cussing and fighting. So I wanted to please God. And even in the midst of me trying to please God, it looked like I had failed him because my husband cheated on me and ended up dying uh, with the, pan uh, the pandemic that was going on at that time with AIDS. But God covered me. He covered mm -hmm. me. And a lot of people around me weren't covered. God covered me and I knew he had a call and a purpose and a plan on my life. So during that time, I was the minister of music at my home church and creating um, the new uh, wave of praise and worship team uh, is when God began to really deal with me. He had been dealing with me in prayer, but I didn't understand. But during this time, whenever we would have our rehearsals, uh, instead of us rehearsing music, we would be laid on the, our face on my living room floor in worship and in prayer. And what I realized, God was drawing me deeper and closer, calling me close to him so that we would learn what being in his presence looked like. And I still didn't know what an intercessor was until I came to First Baptist Church at Glen Arden. And I started hearing about intercession and intercessory. And God led me to the intercessory prayer team. 
I didn't even know that they existed. And one Friday night, he told me to go to the church. And I walked in the church and started walking around. And I peeped in the room and I saw this group of people. And it was the intercessors. And um, the young lady there, Minister Sherelle Myers, got excited because they had been praying for this intercessor to come. And she said, I was the one. And that's where I began my first walk as an intercessor, knowing and understanding, uh, joining the intercessory prayer team at First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. Wow, you've been on quite a journey since uh, saying yes to him and then trying to run away and then finally yielding your life to him. That's amazing. Yes, 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 yes. That's where he taught me to depend and trust in him in the midst of all that I went through with my first husband. Um, my in-laws came against me. They they took my home. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I was losing everything, but I kept trusting God. And I watched God bless and move and bless and move. My youngest, well, I only have one sister, but my baby sister came and moved in with me during that time. She was a new believer. And so she and I walked this journey together. We are powerful warriors together. We pray together on Monday nights um, for marriages, for the for uh, intercessors, for churches, our pastors, and even uh, the government and everything. Um, so God has just... He's taught me a lot in this short time, I could say. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Now, over the past several episodes of this podcast, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. And I know that you experienced just an intense warfare period just a little over a year ago at Christmas time when you and your husband went to Europe to celebrate your wedding anniversary. Can you tell us what happened during that time? Well, uh, Minister John and I got married at Christmas time and he took, he loves everything, London, England, and the monarchy. So he took me there on our honeymoon and I promised him that on our 25th wedding anniversary, it would be my treat. I would take him back. And so uh, we had a big wedding celebration um, on the 21st of uh, December last year, uh, 2019. And uh, set that evening after the reception and everything was over, we flew out to London, got there uh, that Sunday morning, because that was a Saturday. We got there that Sunday morning, the 22nd, on a wonderful journey. My husband had had a complete physical before we left. He was fine to fly. Everything was good. We were happy. And on Christmas night, my husband collapsed in a coma in my Mm -hmm. arms. The last word he said to me was, Iris, I can't breathe. I had no clue and no understanding what was going on. I just knew that he was having difficulty breathing. His his abdomen was swollen and extended. He had severe back pain, discomfort, nausea, diarrhea. And when the uh, 911 uh, came, they call it 999 there, uh, they said that his uh, temperature was 42 Celsius. And when I Googled that, that's 107.9 Fahrenheit. And they said, your husband is seriously sick. Well, When he collapsed, I took my phone off my hip and I called my sister and put her on the speaker. And I said, I need you to do warfare prayer right now because there are different types of prayers. I said, John has collapsed. I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to the front desk to get help. And from there, it just it just took off and took a life of its own. I never had a chance, Deborah, to get to panic. Um, I just said, hold on, baby. I know even though he was unconscious, he could hear me. And I said, hold on, baby, I'm coming. Listen to Shante's voice. And um, he said he could hear that. He remembers that, but that's all he remembers. Um, and when we got to the hospital, 
uh, they began to work on him. They said, your husband is in serious distress. We have to do a CT scan. Something's going on in the middle part of his body. He's going to have to have surgery. He'll probably be in ICU. They brought all these people to talk to me, ICU doctors, anesthesiologists, everything. And I'm sitting there looking at them saying, no, this can't be true. This can't be You're true. You're in London. You're not I'm, at home. I'm in London, England at St. Mary's Hospital, which the Lord blessed. It was three blocks from my hotel. And that's a whole nother story of how we got there. But anyway, um, I they told me they were taking him down. It was going to take some hours and he would have surgery. So I, it was two o'clock in the morning. I had all of his stuff with me because I was thinking they was going to patch him up give him some medicine, we'd be coming back to the hotel, but that wasn't true. So I'm walking the dark London streets by myself at two o'clock in the morning. And I hear the voice of the Lord tell me that he's working it out all together for his good. And I'm like, okay, whatever that means right now. And when I got to the room, I put everything down but his coat and I was holding his coat in my arms, smelling his cologne. And I began to weep before the Lord. And at that moment, Deborah, everything changed. Hmm. The presence of the Lord entered my room. Jesus sat down on my bed. I literally, I know people are not going to believe this, but I literally felt him and saw my bed take an indentation and he sit down beside me. The peace of God engulfed me so much so that all I could do was lay my head over onto my shoulder, onto his shoulder and cry myself to sleep. And when I woke up the next morning, Everything else had changed because God had moved in with a word for me and set me on a course to do what I needed to do while I was there. An eight-day trip turned into two and a half months. Wow. Wow. So do you want me to keep going? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I want to know how God was your hiding place through this entire ordeal. So um, when I woke up that morning... I had a peace that only, you know, you hear hear the term peace that surpasses all understanding. I had a peace that I'd never felt before. Um, I went downstairs. Now, I don't know why I had done this, but we had breakfast every day down there. I had a brand new pair of pantyhose and I kept the cellophane paper. I don't know why. I just know that I was being guided by the Lord. I went downstairs and I happened to see these little cracker biscuit things. And the Lord said, get some. I got them, put it on my tray, went back upstairs, put them in that bag, and I saved them. The Lord began to direct me to take communion every day. Okay. Mm. And so I had no juice or none of that. So I was using water. Then I got uh, that green smoothie stuff one time, prayed over that. That was my juice. Okay. And um, I was submitting and surrendering myself to the Lord. I traveled with my prayer shawl. I traveled with my Bible. And this particular time, my husband asked me not to take my computer. So I carried my um, my little, uh, what is this thing? Kindle, Kindle Fire. And in that, God began to just speak to me with songs of praise and worship every morning. He would give me scriptures. I could hear the Lord singing over me in my sleep. Mm-hmm. And um, every day I would, de- de- I remember Job 22, I think it's 28 says, you can decree a thing and it shall be established. I started decreeing that I was going to see a miracle today. When I walked into the hospital every day, there was a miracle. Now, my husband was on a ventilator for uh, two weeks. He was in a coma. He did not hear anything, but I would take his cell phone and put 
Cindy Trim prayers and different prayers to play audibly in his ears because they told me, talk to him. He can hear you. I began to command the atmosphere around him. He was in a private ICU room. I began to ask God to send all doctors and nurses that were sold out for Jesus to be in there. I watched God do this, Deborah. I watched God have nurses who were full of the spirit of God praying over my husband. One one nurse, she said she loved shaving the men. She climbed up across my husband, was shaving him and praying over him while she shaved him. I watched another young lady who fed him with his nose through the nose feed and she was praying over the bottle of food that it would be nourishment to his body. They would talk to him. They would, would be calling him back to life. All I did was sit there. I would sit there and I pray in my, within myself. Now there was one doctor I had to pray away because I watched him do something that really he could have gotten in trouble for. And then he lied about it and covered himself. He um, actually knocked the um, uh, intravenous line out of my husband's neck and the blood just began to gush. And when the nurse came back in the room, he asked him what happened. He said, oh, Mr. Tate moved. My husband was unconscious. He never moved. And I said, God, he is on assignment from the pit of hell to kill my husband. Don't let him come near him. So when my husband came out of the coma, my husband saw this man standing in the shadows. And he said to me, who is that man, Iris? I said, he's not allowed to come near you. I have banned him. And I've drawn a line in the sand, according to the word of God, that he not come near you anymore. And so I took pictures. I've done a picture collage journal type thing of from day one up until the time we left out of there. Um, everything that I prophesied and spoke to happened. If I ask God for one victory, there will be two victories. It, wow. I mean, and my husband's body was has shut down. I, I forgot to say that. What happened, he had a liver abscess that ruptured. And the heart being a pump, it pumped the poison all over his body. His kidneys shut down. His liver uh, was shutting down. His lungs had shut down, so he was on oxygen. His heart was uh, and his brain was shutting down from the poison. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, uh, Mrs. Tate, it doesn't look good. We're going to do all we can. We're going to go in, do the surgery. We're going to send the poison to the pathology and find out what it is. The blessing is they found out what it was. And the doctor, Dr. Stout, was awesome. He came and sat. He would meet with, wait for me every day to talk with me. And he told me um, it was called a streptococcus. And I said, oh, that's interesting. My husband has a streptococcus in him that creates him to have uh, cellulitis in his legs. He said, then that's why this thing is like the Incredible Hulk. And he said, why isn't it gone? I said, well, the doctors in America told me it would stay with him forever. He said, no, ma'am, we're going to get it out. God did another miracle. He had to go all the way to Europe to get that wow. out of his body totally. Wow. So, Yeah. Uh, God mapped out how we were to leave because uh, they did not, they were antagonizing him. Once he came out of the coma, he became fearful. And I found out he, he was fearful because he was on like fentanyl. He was on uh, paracetamol. He was on um, uh, a whole bunch of pain drugs, that um, morphine, things that was messing with his mind. So he was having nightmares and night terrors. The blessing was God had me contact uh, our ministerial staff and the prayer warriors at First Baptist Church of Glen Arden. I didn't know that the, everybody had formed a prayer chain. The prayer chain went from uh, Washington, D.C. and Maryland and Virginia, all the way to California, all the way to New Orleans and Texas. People were praying for my husband, didn't even know him. And they were texting me back saying, send us the next praise report. And it was a praise report every day that was encouraging them as well to fight on for this man that they didn't even know. And um, 
God blessed me through our minister of music and my, my our, uh, I can't, my section leader at the church to contact a bishop that we wanted to visit who have we who we had watched uh, on television, Bishop John Francis, and that man and his wife blessed us blessed our socks off along with our pastor and I didn't even know they knew each other, and Bishop Francis came the night that my husband came out of the coma. He called me and said, Pastor Iris, where are you? I said, I'm at the uh, at the hotel. He thought I was at the hospital. And he and his wife were there and they uh, told me to come. And that day, God, God, God is so awesome. I usually would come into the hotel, take my clothes off, eat because it got dark at 430. That day, I just took my shoes off and was just sitting there. And when he called, I stuck my shoes on and ran back up the street. And there they were. They had a big basket. And in that basket was a big bottle of grape juice. So now I can continue my (laughs) proper communion. Yes, yes. And um. Uh, the nurse came out and the nurse was crying and red. she said, I'm so glad you're back. I've been praying that you would come back. I was like, I don't usually come back. You know that. She said, yeah, but I got a surprise for you. And she scooped me up and took me in the room and my husband was out of the coma. And I stepped to the side and said to him after greeting him, do you know who these people are? And he started crying and Bishop came and wiped his tears and they took pictures and sent them to pastor and gave us pictures. But in the process, in the, in the middle of all of that, his elders, which we call reverends in our church, they came to the hospital. They prayed over him. They anointed him. They massaged his legs because now he he had been moved to another hospital in the UK and they would not get him up for physical therapy or walk him or anything. And so for every day that you're down, you lose four days of muscle. And he was down for 163 days. Wow. They blessed us. Bishop uh, Francis allowed me to speak at his church. Uh, He and his wife would come and pick me up every Sunday, take me to church, take me to dinner, feed me, and um, take me back to the hospital, minister to John, and then they would go on. And it was so many, many blessings that I received. One of the elders was a beautician. She did my hair. Uh, another uh, elder was a prophet and, and he spoke into my life, he and his wife so many times. Um, it was just one thing after another. I can't even name all the things, but the one thing I do want to say is that when it was time to go, God orchestrated down to the nth degree of how we were to leave there. That Monday, I, I, I woke up to Jesus just singing over me and I saw it in the scriptures that the Lord sings over you. And I was like, at first I was a little annoyed because I kept hearing this song over me all night long and I felt like I wasn't resting. But when I woke up, I was rejuvenated and the Lord said, pack up your room. And so I got up and I didn't question him. I started packing up and I laid out clothes for the week. And then he said, it's time to leave. And so I went to the hospital and the therapist said to me, when I asked her, I said, Kelly, when should I start preparing my husband to leave? She said, as of yesterday, Mrs. Tate. And I said, what do you mean? She said, as of yesterday, she raised her eyebrows because little did I know they had allowed him to lay for so long. He developed pneumonia and he had blood clots in his lungs. And so the pneumonia was clearing up and she said he needed to go ASAP. And so I started my journey. The Lord had me begin to study Exodus and how the Israelite, how he led the Israelites out of uh, Egypt. And the Lord spoke to me walking across the street, going to the tube, which is the train there, to the, back to the hospital on that Thursday. And he said, 
I hardened Pharaoh's heart. And I looked up at the sky and I started talking. Well, I would be talking a lot, Deborah, walking through the streets. And it was these two construction workers who would be on post every day laughing at me. I think they thought I was crazy because I didn't have an earpiece in my ear. Uh-huh. And so I said, to, I said, God, why did you harden Pharaoh's heart? He said, so that they would know that I did this. I said, I got you. And when I got there, I went into several meetings uh, to get my husband released. And they told me no. Now, weeks before, they were telling, threatening him, telling him they were going to put him out because we weren't a part of the NHS Trust, which is a free medical program there. We were uh, foreigners and we were to pay. And our insurance company, Aetna, said they don't pay across the water. And their, their uh, people said, well, they don't take Medicare, which my husband also had. And so we were stuck. And yeah. so when they told me they weren't going to release him, I went into prayer and fasting, and God opened the door with a company called Sky Nurses out of Florida, and people have been sending me money through Cash App, and I had just been pop, just sending it to my savings account. I didn't even know. I needed $30,000 to get out of there, and God had blessed with the saints giving and pouring in, and uh, that day, I came, came out of my hotel room, and this thing had taken on life of itself. On the whole hotel staff had become my family. Every day I had to give them a report. If I came in late and it was dark, I would get chastised like they were my parents. You know, they would check on me. They would feed me. I didn't have to want for anything. They reduced the amount of what my hotel bill was. And this particular day when I came out on my way back to the hospital to take care of business, um, the, the gentleman started calling me to the counter and I was on the phone. And he had me this envelope. He said, a lady called, a lady called. I said, why didn't you call my room? He said, she didn't want to talk to you. She wanted to know your bill. And I said, what? And he said, she paid it. It's paid in full. They, he's crying. I'm, I'm standing there looking in shock. As I walk out the door, the person in my ear said, oh my God, that's a blessing. And then it hit me. God's done another miracle. Yes. He paid my in full by somebody that I wasn't expecting. And wow. so um, in the midst of that, I, God just opened the door. Pastor called me because Bishop had ratted me out because Bishop kept saying, we want to help her and she won't let us help. But I didn't want to be a bother or a burden to anybody. I just knew God was going to do it, but I wasn't thinking about the arms and hands of other people. And so, um, pastor called me and said, how much money do you have? And I told him and pastor made up the difference. Wow. 30,000. He made up the difference. I had, I was almost there and he pulled up the difference. Wow. I was able to get this company. And that Friday, when I went to tell my husband and bring him his clothes and stuff, I told him, we're leaving. He didn't believe me because he felt trapped. Yeah. And his head nurse helped me steal my husband, kidnap my husband. <laughs> and get him out of there. Yes. And on that Sunday, we were on the plane flying back to the United States of America with a, a nurse, a travel nurse um, from that company. And he took excellent care of my husband. They, the doctors had said he, I wasn't going to need anything. We got to a certain altitude. My husband's pulse ox dropped and everything. And Duncan, the nurse, he was looking at him, saw everything. I was sitting there looking at my husband. I ain't noticed nothing. Okay. But God was in the midst. The, the, the airline, British Airways was perfect. They had been notified by uh, Sky Nurses. Everybody operated the way they were supposed to. And everything came. And we're here. We got here just before COVID hit. Wow. 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 What a story. Yes. 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 So for 
a listener today who might be going through a very difficult season in life, Mm -hmm. what could you say to them about how to trust God as your hiding place? First of all, I think, I really think that they should begin to practice being in his presence. Mm. The one thing that I've noticed today is that when you say to people, get in God's presence, they don't understand that. They don't know what it means. And so practicing getting in his presence is being able to be still in his presence. Sit there, turn the TV off. If you got to put a sign on the door and shut the door and say, I'm in with Jesus, begin to carve out that time. And, and it could be a sh- start out with a short time, you know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. But you got to build that time up with him, spending time in his word, talking to him, ask him to speak to you, ask him to give you divine revelation and understanding and clarity of what he's saying to you in the word. Take a journal, write down what he says, write down what you think you hear him saying. Pray over that. Pray it through. Uh, do do timeline studies with him. Uh, get you a devotional. I, I love. I'm, I'm a pitch right here. I love the Jesus Calling book by Sarah Young because she takes you right into His presence. She's been gifted and anointed to just take you in that pre- in His presence. I've read that book about five times. So every year, at the end of the year, I start all over again. But learning how to worship Him, just sing what's in your heart. Turn off the junk music. I call some of that music as junk music as a musician. Sing what's in your heart. Make up song, love songs to him. And you'll see um, how he'll begin to draw you in. At first, nothing's going to happen. I'm telling you, nothing's going to happen. And you may even hear the enemy say, you're not talking to anybody. Ain't nobody listening. That happened to me. And I had to respond back. But you're listening and you're talking. So I'm going to keep talking because I know. <laughs> but as you begin to make that a practice habit, it will grow. It it will begin to take a life of its own. I believe that in this season that we're in right now, everybody should be filling themselves with God's word, filling themselves with his worship and and time with him to so that you don't get so overwhelmed and so pre-focused and preoccupied on what's going on out here that sounds negative because that brings in fear. And so we got to operate in faith. Those These things will help increase your faith as you build yourself up on your most holy faith in him. And the, and the thing of it is, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you can fall back immediately. The Holy Spirit jumps into his, his position and what he's supposed to do, bring all things back to your remembrance. He mm-hmm. begins to direct you and guide you. But you can't, go, you can't operate in fear. You got to operate in faith. That's my word for the day. Practice oh, now. <laughs> that is so good. Thank you so much for joining me today to share this powerful message about God as our hiding place. Before I let you go, would you please pray for my listening audience? Yes, I will. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise for who you are, oh God. Father, we thank you for this time right now. We thank you for every listener that has tuned in to Reverend Deborah's uh, podcast. We pray, oh God, that a word has been spoken or said or shared, oh God, that would be a blessing to their hearts and their minds. We pray, oh God, for those that are going through right now in a season of darkness. We bind the spirit of darkness in the name of Jesus. We bind the spirit of sadness, oh God. 
the spirit of sickness and, and, and poor health, oh God, we bind it all because you told us in your word, oh God, that we have the keys to the kingdom and whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So we lose peace, oh God, we lose your healing. We lose clarity of thought and clarity of mind, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we give your glory, we give your honor, and we give your praise for you are a faithful, loving God. And we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you for all that you've done and all that you're doing, oh God. Father, set us on a straight path that we will continue to bring you glory and honor and continually praise and, and stay in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. We just heard from Reverend Iris Tate about how God has been her hiding place. What a powerful testimony of how God covered her and protected her and sang over her when she and her husband were going through such an incredible, challenging ordeal. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have access to this covering that Iris talked about. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you can do that right now. It is by faith that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And if you are ready to place your trust in the Lordship of Jesus and receive the forgiveness of sins, you can pray this prayer with me. God, I confess that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus in my life. I repent of my sins and I turn to you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and rose from the dead. And I accept this by faith and invite Jesus to be Lord of my life, to reign and rule in my heart. Thank you, God, for forgiving me and saving me. Amen. And if you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to hear from you. Please visit my website at tbtwpodcast.com and let me know about your decision for Christ so that I can share that with my special guest and we can encourage you and support you with the next steps in your faith. My prayer for you today is that you will spend more time getting in God's presence, reading His Word, worshiping Him, and praying to Him. Then, when times of trouble come into your life, and believe me, they will, that you will have developed an intimate relationship with Him so that you can rest under the shadow of His wings, that you can draw close to Him and allow Him to cover you and to sing over you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
Stay tuned for our next episode of Transformed by the Word, where we will discuss our authority in Christ. Thank you for listening to Transformed by the Word with your host, Deborah Barr. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and connect with us at tbtwpodcast.com. Until next time, be blessed.